Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 245 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsor. And that sponsor is ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. In our last episode, we discussed the cavalier attitudes and approaches that far too many lawyers seem to have towards cybersecurity, especially in cloud tools, and what you can do to protect yourself from those lax practices uh, that others seem to have adopted. In this episode, we ponder whether there's too much focus on moving to brand new technologies and not enough focus on moving on from technologies that are actually outdated legacy technologies. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be discussing legacy technologies and uh, the right time to move on from them. Uh, in the second segment, uh, we'll talk about what Dennis thinks is my current obsession with dark mode. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. Uh, but first up, legacy technologies, uh, and in my opinion, knowing the right time to move away from them. Although we have a podcast about new technologies that lawyers can use, and we're always talking about the latest, and we try to talk about new things like quantum computing and blockchain and Bitcoin and all that sort of stuff, uh, I will wager that at least a few of our listeners are still using an older version of Windows, or maybe you've got a laptop that's going on five or so years. Uh, so we thought we'd spend some time reflecting on the idea of keeping technology past its prime uh, and when it makes sense to make a change for something more advanced, more new technology. Dennis, you usually like to look forward, and I really like to look forward. I know I'm going to have problems during this segment uh, talking about looking backward, but why should we look back at legacy technologies? So what got me thinking about this is that I... I read a lot of people saying that we're focused in technology on the new shiny object and that really what we should not be doing is looking at the the new technologies that uh, you know grab our attention and there's too much of a, a concentration on the new technologies. And I think it sort of makes this assumption that um, you're not using some technology now. And so I think that uh, when you say, hey, it's okay not to go to the new stuff, it's important to focus on you know, like people and process and, and all these other things that people say, that I think that you it gives people a, a bit of a free pass to stick with outdated technology. And I, and so I, I think it sort of 
a way I want to look at it is, is the new thing looking at when it's time to move from the old thing? And I don't just mean like updating versions and stuff like that. I mean, when the technology's outlived its useful life, when it no longer makes sense, when it's actually hurting you and costing you extra money to use the old technology and how the saying like, well, at least I'm not wasting money on new technology causes you not to pay attention to the money you actually are throwing away on old technology. And then at the extremes of that, we've all seen, especially those around technology for a long time, where technology just becomes obsolete and you're sitting there with stuff that you feel like you're the last person using it. So that's that's what got me going on this topic, Tom, and and almost wanting to take a deep look into what me, makes people stay with things, what what drives a change, and what what you're ignoring if you don't balance new technology against the old technology. Well, you know, it's funny, and the reason why I say I'm going to have a hard time with this is that I'm sort of the exact opposite of of kind of looking at the old technology. I'm always going to run towards the new technology. And I think the reason that I do that is simple. I'm always looking for ways that technology can improve upon itself. It may be that I'm not looking for a particular new feature, although sometimes that might be the case, but I'm always interested in the possibilities of what technology could do. And that's why I like trying new things out. You know, there are obviously dangerous to adopting too early. And and I think that these feed into reasons why lawyers tend to keep technology as long as they do. You know, the technology is not fully baked. Sometimes it's buggy. Um, there are security issues. Nobody else is using it. Um, I have to say that in the legal world, being an early adopter is a lonely experience. We have lots of podcasts and lots of people talking about using the latest new legal technology, but I think we need to be fair. There's not a lot of people who are using those. They are choosing to use, in a lot of cases, the older technologies. You mentioned here in the in the in the notes for our, for our show that we joke about lawyers and WordPerfect 5.1 for DOS, um, but they are running outdated software. I still have good friend good lawyer friends here in Dallas who are running older versions of WordPerfect, and they're never going to get away from it. What I think is kind of interesting about this is I think that for certain types of technology, that day or or the ability to hold on to software um, for for longer than they should is starting to become much harder to do. You know, when you see, as we've been seeing with Office 365, your options are really limited if you want to buy a standalone version of Office. They're they're moving, the model is moving to subscription-based services where your software is continually being updated. Um, So you no longer really have the choice to wait and just say, I'm going to hold on till the next one. You know, Windows is likely be this same way in in the future, too, where you're just constantly being updated. And so what I find interesting is I think that that those who who tend to hold on to things for too long, if you don't start to adopt a different mindset about dealing with your technology, you may be getting dragged along in a way that's not pleasant or comfortable to you. Right. And, you know, more and more, I find myself saying, like, are you thinking in terms of compared to what? And so we talked about this in the last episode in connection with cybersecurity. And I, I just think it's bizarre 
these days that people are running programs and doing things that are so out of date, they're simply not safe. Like that's, that's something that anyone should be doing. Also, as, as stuff gets older, you, you do have performance issues and other things happening that I'm, I hear people complain about, oh my God, my, you know, my internet, my windows are so slow. And you go like, well, you have a 10 year old laptop. I'm like, what do you expect? So that's out there. Um, and then my all time favorite one is I'm talking to a lawyer who says, you know, here's the thing I hate about X product, you know, is I can't do this. I can't do that. And you go like, that's, that's been in the product, the, like the last three versions, or that's in the, the cloud version of that. And so I think you, you put yourself in this, this weird space. So there's, uh, as you start to, to go, go down this, this path. And so, so I think a lot of those things can drive, but um, there's also not the best role models out there because even some of the, the people who talk about legal technology and, and train on it don't have the best practices themselves. Tom, I, I once saw a legal tech speaker who during his presentation, it popped up that he had updates needed to install, and he bragged about like how many outstanding updates that were out there that he hadn't installed. And it was just, it was it was shocking because that was like like a year's worth of security updates that that were being done. So I, I think those are some of the the things I see, Tom, and and we've talked about those. But I, I think uh, what we want to do is kind of dig into like, so what is it that makes you you decide that you need to change. Well, but wait, so let's, before you just decide that you need to change, let's ask the why do you not change? Shouldn't we be asking why right now and say, why are people not making that change? Why do they decide to hang on to the software or the technology, the hardware that they happen to have? I mean, I know that one reason why a lot of people hang on to things and it's and it's totally it's totally reasonable on one hand and it's totally crazy on the other is you hold on to that older version of WordPerfect or you hold on to that older version of of some accounting software that you have because you may have some other even older proprietary software that will only work with your slightly older less less old software and if you upgrade one of them it means that you won't be able to use the other well, you're screwed at that point. And there's a lot of the, a lot of the lawyers out there who think, well, especially solo and small firm, and said, I can't, I can't possibly upgrade because I'll I won't be able to use this. And this is the best software tool I've ever used in my life. I would say probably they haven't spent enough time looking out to see if there's something better and newer and with the same type of functionality or even more functionality than they had before. But I think that's one large reason why lawyers tend not to move on from older technologies. What are some of the other reasons you're seeing that cause lawyers not to want to move on? I think it's, you know, most of it's the classic sunk costs issue. People say, you know, I, I put this much money into this program and to working with it, uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to throw that money away. 
you know, not realizing that you've gotten years worth out of, of service out of it. And then focusing on what's already in it without looking at what's going forward. And I mean, you could do, I mean, obviously in the MBA uh, programs, people spend a lot of time on the whole sunk cost notions. But I, I think lawyers can, with technology, can take that to a completely different level. Then I think is a lot of it is this not you know this uh, lack of awareness what's out there. Um, so you talk about and I think the cloud is changing things in ways that, that lawyers are reluctant to admit. Um, there's this great quote from uh, attributed to Ernest Hemingway about bankruptcy and going bankrupt in you know where I think it was one of his characters is asked how did you go bankrupt and the answer was gradually and then suddenly. And I think that's a great thing when you have this legacy software that you're you're saying, oh, it's not working quite right, and but I can kind of limp through it, and then one day you realize like you can't get replacement parts, you can't get the uh, uh, you know like uh, the eight inch floppy disk, you can't do these other things, and then you realize that you're just sitting there yourself, and everybody else is on a cloud version, and and the company is not updating the this software anymore that you're using and and they're giving you every reason to make the switch um but you're you're just not doing it and and so i think all of those things come into play but i think part of it is that you're just hanging on to looking at what you've spent in the past and not taking a fresh look at what that's going to cost you going forward and and what the alternatives are it's you know i don't know tom i i don't know do you just like scratch your head sometimes when lawyers say i i'm not sure that going to the cloud is going to be like a cost effective thing for me to do going forward or they say it's going to be more expensive that that always blows my mind well and frankly what i would say to them is go and listen to um you know we don't talk about it as often as Adriana Linares does on her new solo podcast. But, you know, she regularly runs down the, the monthly cost of moving, you know, it used to be a solo firm to, to have a, a, a full practice would have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to get a server put up. And just for three or four attorneys, the cost would be pretty substantial. But now with everything in the cloud, you can have... <laughs> You can have a full office available via the cloud for just a couple hundred dollars per month and your your whole law office. And it's so simple, but you're right. And we talked about this in the last podcast. You know, lawyers are still not embracing the cloud the way that uh, that we would want them to embrace the cloud. I think, almost, you know, most state bars that come down on the side of, of the cloud say that reasonable care is the standard. They've not come out against it. They say, you know, make sure that you're doing, you're, you're, you're careful with what you're doing. But uh, I still think that there is a, and, and I don't know if it's a fear. I don't know if it is, uh, we just don't have time. I mean, that's been the traditional excuse for not dealing with technology is that's not my job. I'm a lawyer. I need to lawyer. I need to practice. I don't have time to learn about new technologies. Um, we've, that's kind of a, a, a drum we beat way too often on this podcast. And I think that all of those things the I've got the old software that's only going to work with something. Um, I don't really trust moving to the cloud because you hear all these horrible stories about what happens. I just don't have the time uh, to, to do any of these things all tend to roll up into each other to become a very convenient excuse not to move on. The other thing I see a lot of time is that 
There's a tendency to value the time that's wasted with technology that's slow, that doesn't work well, the inconvenience that people have. This is the difficulty it uh, causes in doing your job. That tends to be valued at zero. And so on the other hand, you're saying, well, if we go to something new, we need this training and we need this and, you know, all these things. And there's cost, cost, cost. And you're saying, like, well, I'm not even factoring in, like, the disaster area that, that we live in now that, that everybody in the firm is, is aware of. But we're saying, oh, we're worried about these new costs. And we have, we have something that works. Like you said, we have something that works. It works with something we did in the old days. And we don't have to train people on it. And by the same token, we have these new employees who can't figure out what the heck they're doing because we're, we're using stuff they're just not familiar with. And uh, so you put a dollar assessment on things uh, you do if you change, and then you you value, put a value of zero on staying where you're at. And I think that's, so that's sunk cost fallacy right there. But I think that's that's part of the thing. You just don't step back until something's forcing you and that could be this you know security breach could be other things but like i said it could be that you can no longer do something that you're used to doing i mean because the technology is obsolete you know like if you're if you're backing up on uh, cd-rom or stuff like that it just doesn't make sense anymore or tape drives or you're going like hey is there's a new world out there and and so sometimes you're just going to find stuff where it's like you know, the, the manually operated elevator, the switchboard, other things like that, where, wow, the technology changed drastically. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting in the past. Well, so I think that there's, for some lawyers anyway, there's an element of you don't know what you don't know. So if you, you're used to spending a lot of time and it's, I'll give you an example. Granted, my dad is 88 years old. And he's probably not the best example, but he still goes into his law office uh, every day and does some kind of work there. But uh, his computer at home takes, I don't know, two to three minutes to boot up. And he does he just accepts it. He takes it for granted. And uh, it's because he doesn't know what a fast computer boot up could be like. He doesn't know what software that's working appropriately could be like. And I think there's an element to that, that they just don't know what they don't know. And 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 education is is a large part of that. But let's let's move on so we don't drag on with the why is it not happening and let's move on to the how do you know when it's time to consider moving on. I have my opinion and I'll give mine now and then Dennis you can give your thoughts on this. I think there are obvious times when you should move on. Obviously, if the technology is no longer supported, or if there are security issues that make it not worth your while, or um, if your software no longer works with your other software, all of that is pretty obvious. Um, but there's something about that approach that feels kind of reckless to me. Um, I, if any of you are Seinfeld fans, there's the one episode where Kramer goes out to test a car and they, they take the car out as far as they can and then farther, even though it's very clear that the car is about to run out of gas and they keep pushing it just for the thrill of it. And it just seems kind of like, 
holding on to technology until you absolutely can't use it is a little bit like that Seinfeld episode. Why wait until the very last minute? And so I think that the strategy you should be adopting is what I consider to be a middle-of-the-road strategy. You're not the first, you're not the second, you're not the third wave to adopt a technology, but you're also not the last. This sort of approach does require you to pay attention to technology that's coming out, to know that it exists, so that you can keep track of its own evolution. That's part of why we do what we do on this podcast, is to let lawyers become aware of the existence of certain kinds of technologies. We've talked about the adoption curve on the podcast before, and it, and it makes sense to learn where on that where the right place on that curve is for you. It's it's it shouldn't be early on, and and it, we never gonna I think argue that lawyers should be early on, um, but it should be somewhere in the middle, long enough after it has good adoption, but not so long um, that you're still you're struggling with the old legacy tools that you hang on to before you move on to them. So I think that adopting kind of that sweet middle of the road Goldilocks approach is, in my opinion, the way to go. What what do you think, Dennis? I think we're going to, as they say these days, we're going to violently agree here. I think that there is a, a great spot comfortably in the middle, you know, unless by inclination you you like to push. Uh, but I, I do think you just don't want to push on the back end either where you're starting to take real chances and you're you're limiting what you can do. So there's a company I'm on the advisory board for called TimeSolve, and they do time and, and billing by the cloud. So there's a lot of legacy time and billing software out there in the world. And it's hard to get people to switch to cloud because it's, you know, it's a fairly straightforward functionality that you have. And so you could say, well, I want to stick on the, you know, stick with these old tool tools, even though they're way out of date. But at the same time, you're not able to do payments that you can do through cloud, you know, payments by credit card. Uh, you can't do some data tracking and analytics and stuff like that. And so you're saying like, well, I'm holding on, you know, because I don't have to pay for new software or to pay a modest monthly subscription fee. But look at all the stuff I'm giving away that are, you know, I'm not taking advantage of on the business end. So I think you kind of need to open your eyes and then figure out what's important to you. You don't necessarily have to do everything at once. I mean, I, I sort of favor, like in the old days of maybe 10 years ago when you replaced laptops on like a three-year cycle. I mean, I still sort of like that, you know, where you say, uh, even though I think laptops do last a lot longer now, but where you say, oh, for three years, we'll do this and we'll upgrade everybody in the firm and we'll wipe and then donate all those laptops to schools and stuff. I think that's sort of a, a good practice to have still. And because otherwise... I mean, people do just really tend to hang on because they just see everything as a fresh cost. And like I said, it always has bothered me when you say, if I don't value my inconvenience, the other problems are caused by having technology that doesn't work well or, or obsolete, I can't find you know, toner cartridge, I can't do this, I can't do that, then if you don't kind of play fair on the equation there on costs, you're going to come out you know, staying on, on the old side and you're going to lose people who, who want to have newer things, you're going to run into other problems, incompatibilities, and then I, I just think these days as we talked time in the last episode that the security issue is so huge on running old and outdated systems that uh, I, I don't understand why people want to take the chance. 
Well, you know, and we've gotten through this entire segment without once mentioning the duty of technological competence and asking the question whether or not hanging on to old technology is related to that duty. And I would argue that it absolutely is, is that if you're keeping software or hardware that is too old, that runs the risk of compromising your client's confidentiality, of making it more difficult for you to work on their behalf, then there's an ethical, I hate to say there's an ethical standard towards keeping up with the latest technology and keeping your technology current and more up to date. But I think we have to start recognizing the fact that there's a connection there and um, and it's it's I think it's going to be increasingly hard to ignore. Dennis, final tips before we wrap it up for this segment. Well, it's not a tip. I just go back to that Hemingway quote that I think what you're what's going to happen with older technology is your problem is going to happen gradually, and then the failure is going to happen suddenly. And I think that keeping that in mind, and then keeping your and, and realizing keeping your fingers crossed that this stuff is just going to keep working forever. Just look at the past history of technology. Look at your backup tapes, all those other things. There's a lot of technology out there that's inoperable these days. And uh, um, it it'd be, it's causes difficulties in other areas. So you don't want to do that. And then also there are people who come after you and that you're going to be working. Uh, I, I mean, who succeed you is is what I mean there. And, and uh, you know, and new employees are going to come in and uh, having an absolute uh, technology stack in your firm is not an attractive place for uh, an, a new employee who's tech savvy. And before we move on to our next segment, let's take a break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, we want to talk about Tom's new obsession, I guess that's the right word, with the dark mode. And I I don't mean the dark web, which we actually talked about in an earlier episode. In simplest terms, dark mode is a display option that's become really popular lately that changes your background and, and certain other elements of what you see on the screen from light colors to black and dark gray. So the idea is this reverse color uh, scheme might actually improve readability and uh, usability and is and might even be good for your eyes. So Tom is, uh, I don't know whether he's a big fan. I'm calling him a big fan, but I'm not so convinced myself. But I, I do see dark mode, interestingly, as one more example of how our technology experiences are becoming more personalized th- than ever. And how my experience using the same software or the same service that you do could be very different um, in even the way that it looks. So, Tom, what's uh, got you interested in the dark mode? 
I, the more that we keep talking about the dark mode, I feel like we're in an episode of Star Wars and someone's trying to entice somebody over to one side or the other. And uh, I, I think it's probably strong to say that I'm a big fan. Um, when I suggested this as a topic, I was responding to the fact that dark mode seems to be the hip thing to do these days. Everyone and so much software is offering a dark mode these days. Mac OS recently built it in in their latest release. Android phones just went all dark mode. This past week, there was an announcement that Slack is now in dark mode. My Outlook mobile app is now dark mode. Um, I use Tweetbot, and for a long time, they've had a dark mode. It's all over the place. And so I really wanted to talk about the phenomenon of dark mode and why it's happening. And so I you know, looked at the reasons why, and I think that there are a couple of reasons um, that are benefits to dark mode. You're right, Dennis, it improves readability, but there are a couple reasons for this. One, there's better contrast. It's, it's a better contrast to have the white on dark than, than otherwise. Um, scientifically, the idea is, is that you will have reduced eye fatigue. Um, you won't have that much. One of the big things is less blue light. Uh, you know, when you have a white screen, that white includes blue, and the blue is, I think I was reading somewhere today that some one technology person was saying that looking at a white web page is like having the sun of a thousand, the light of a thousand suns burning into your eyes. That seems a little dramatic to me, but I think there is something to the idea of less blue light, um, a lot of the night modes, I think iPhone does this, Macs do this, my Android phone does this now, where it kind of goes a little bit of a tint of yellow, that's all to remove the blue light from it. Um, dark mode clearly removes the blue light. It's all gone at that point. Um, there's some evidence that white light eats up a lot more battery than dark mode. So there's that as well. But, you know, for everyone touting the benefits, there's those who are still preferring the lighter, brighter modes. Some apps are going to switch back and forth for you depending on the time of day. I kind of like that. Bright in the day, darker at night. Um, I found that I do like it for some apps, but not others. Not necessarily because it's easier to read, but somehow turning everything dark is like I'm using a new app. Um, suddenly something old is new again, so I kind of like that. Interestingly though, uh, the one that I can't use it on is my Kindle. I need a white or slightly off-white background to read a book, and that's to me so different because I use dark mode on almost everything else on my phone right now. I haven't tried to figure out why that is, but I'm interested and puzzled by the phenomenon, and I think it has to do with healthier consumption of technology, um, but I just don't know. Dennis, are you, I, it seems like you're ambivalent to dark mode um, and less of a fan than I am. Well, I actually like the, what you're referring to as the night mode, where things kind of soften and the, the brightness uh, adjusts down as it gets darker at night. Um, so I like that. But I also am fairly aggressive at uh, turning down the brightness on, on my screen anyway. Um, so I like the fact that you can customize to something you like. I, what I think is a little weird is, as you said, time is like the stress people are putting on dark mode. And it seems like people are applauding that dark mode is available in certain things. So I, I tried the thing where I made a major switch to put everything 
in in dark mode and it lasted maybe like two days and then i went back and you remind me like in tweet deck you did have the black the dark background and i switched away from that as well so i i think i prefer that but i'm also i would say personalizing my approach as well. I think one of my visceral reactions to using the dark mode when I did it, especially on reading things, is it and and uh, you know doing word processing, is it it felt too much like the obsolete days to go back to our first topic of when I I had this big clunky monitor that was with really low resolution that had a dark background and green or yellow or maybe white characters on it so i didn't I, those were awesome screens weren't they? those were great. like the, the reminder uh, of of those days so i i think it's it's like i said to me what's interesting is that now we're able to personalize so much into what suits us well including what we how we like to read things and what you can find is that when you go up and somebody says you know you've talked this way don't you love this i love this app and you go like it doesn't even look like my app and you go like oh they have like a different set of settings on but i like the fact that they're continuing to to research what makes things better for us and easier and on our eyes and stuff but yeah so far for me uh uh dark mode just just didn't work i, I kind of went uh uh, back completely the the other way. So now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip website or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So uh, I have a tip this time, and it is to set a reminder to um, you know once a quarter, twice a year, um, check your phone carrier's data plan offerings. Go online and see if they may have changed. Every time I check, they are not, I wouldn't call more competitive, but you can get more for either less or the same amount that you're paying. So I, I discovered this recently when I was traveling. I needed to use my hotspot on my phone more than usual because the, the Wi-Fi in the hotel was just horrible. And I was in a hotel for an entire week and I almost burned through my whole allotment of, of hotspot. And I went online and I found that for about the same price, I could get an extra 10 gigs of hotspot above and beyond what I had in my current plan. I switched that over. That was not even a decision I took two seconds to make. So go and take a look. They don't change plans very often, but they'll make those changes once or twice a year where they'll give you more bandwidth, more data, more options. Um, I think it makes sense to keep doing it because you can get grandfathered into an expensive plan where you're not getting a lot of a lot of perks to it, um, and they're always changing them. So take a look at it occasionally. You'll be uh, pleased to be able to upgrade now and again. So mine was is kind of this interesting observation and reaction I've gotten recently when I've done presentations. So I, I've been spending a lot of time when I put together uh, the stock photos for my slides to get like a, a more diverse um, and inclusive, you know, uh, representation of people in the photos and and make them a bit more modern and stuff. And the uh, it's a bit surprising to me that people have not. They've commented on the slide saying that I have great 
photos and they really like them, but they haven't noticed the fact that they're they're more diverse, which I think is actually a great comment on the audiences that I have. That you know, they're not going like, oh my God, this this is really weird. But you know, like so I'm I'm putting in people with tattoos and all sorts of stuff like that. So the question becomes is like how do you find those things? And I, so there's a, a recent article that we'll we'll put in the the show notes, but uh um where they uh, talked about ways that you can find uh, especially diverse uh, stock photos. And uh, and then I also use just the, the sites we've recommended before, like Pexels and Pixabay and Unsplash, and just going through and just making a, a, a better choice of of the the photos you use especially of the people and and look you know just just kind of switch things up so it looks more more like the real world so so that's my recommendation and it's it's something i noticed that people seem to appreciate right away even if if it's unconsciously and i do want to put in just a a quick plug for uh the free pdf download on my website uh which i call 57 tips for successful innovation Outcomes in Law, which is a preview of my uh, upcoming book, which may be out either at the end of September or early October. And it's a free download that gives you a preview of uh, my current thinking on what will work in innovation in law. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives and transcripts of all of our previous podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out to us on LinkedIn or leave us a voicemail. Remember, we love to get voicemails for our B segments. That phone number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.